0: Let's jump into our uh, our message this morning. We're in the series uh, from the book of Genesis. We're calling Beginnings, and today I'm calling this message, Jacob, the trickster gets tricked. Um, last week we uh, considered the story of two twin brothers, <clears throat> Jacob and Esau. Uh, uh, their lives started out from the very beginning uh, in somewhat of a struggle as Jacob, the second-born son, was holding on to the heel of his brother Esau, the first-born son, as they were being born. So that must have been an interesting sight to see a a newborn baby holding on to another newborn baby's heel. Their mother, Rebekah, understood this to be a sign of what God had told her during her pregnancy, uh, that her older son would serve her younger son. Now, this was highly unusual in the, the ancient world as the firstborn of a family Usually, took the greater inheritance and became the future leader of that family. In this case, uh, for this family, this meant even more. In this family, uh, Ab- Abraham's family, Isaac's family, uh, the leader would would also become heir to the promise that was given to Abraham, uh, Isaac's or Jacob's grandfather. Uh, through the the family, this family leader all people on earth would be blessed, including you and me. Jacob, the second born, was destined to be that family leader uh, rather than his brother Esau. And also, Jacob would be the heir to this promise. Well, as you may remember, or if you don't remember, let me tell you, uh, Jacob received that promise in a deceitful way. Isaac was planning on giving this promise to his oldest son, Esau, uh, the, the promised blessing. But his mother, uh, Rebekah, coaxed her favorite son, Jacob, uh, into disguising himself as his older brother, Esau. Uh, he wore Esau's clothes so he would smell like Esau. He put fur on his neck and on his arms, and he presented himself to his old, feeble, blind father, Isaac, as if he were his brother, Esau. His father was fooled, and he gave Jacob the blessing. Well, as you can imagine, uh, as we saw last week, Esau was furious when he found out what his brother had done, and he threatened to kill him. Well, at this, both uh, uh, Isaac and Rebekah, his parents, decided that This would be a good time for Jacob to leave town and go far, far, far away to look for a wife. Uh, Like Abraham with Isaac, Jacob's parents did not want Jacob to marry a pagan Canaanite woman. So they sent um, uh, him to Rebekah's homeland in the east to find a wife there. And besides, if he was to stay in Canaan, he'd probably be murdered by his angry brother. So Jacob set out to go find a wife in the land of the east. Well, on the way, we read the story that many of us are familiar with uh, that we often call Jacob's Ladder. This is an artist's rendering of that. Um, Genesis chapter 28, verse 10 through 22, Jacob, on his journey, he stops along the way to a place that would be called Bethel. And while he was sleeping there that night, God sends him a vision, and it looked Something like this, maybe. But Jacob sees this ladder or this stairway that leads from the earth all the way up to heaven. <clears throat> and he saw angels on this stairway going up and down and up and down the stairway. And, you know, it's an image that, that, that is very powerful as it, I think, demonstrates the fact that while we can't see spiritual beings, we can't see angels often, um, they do travel among us. To do the work of God. At the top of the stairway, uh, Jacob could see God himself uh, in, this, in this dream. And, and there, God proclaimed to Jacob his promise that he had given to Abraham. That he, Jacob, would uh, be uh, the, the, uh, the one that his descendants would, would come and, and, and bless all mankind. Including you and me. Uh, when Jacob woke up from this dream, uh, he set up an altar. The altar actually was the the stone that he had used as a pillow that night, which is kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, and it's not the old my pillow that we see on TV. It was it couldn't have been too comfortable, but he used that stone as an altar, as part of an altar, and he named the place Bethel, uh, or Bethel, House of God, House of God. And then Jacob continued on his way until he reached the homeland of his mother. There he found himself at a well, just like the servant who was looking for a wife for Isaac did. Uh, and uh, while he was waiting there with, uh, with other shepherds, they were preparing to water their, their flocks there by the well, a young, beautiful woman, a shepherdess, uh, approached the well. She was leading a flock of sheep, uh, planning on watering her sheep. The other shepherds had told Jacob that this woman was Laban's daughter. Uh, Her name was Rachel. And Laban was his mother's brother. So uh, technically, this girl, Rachel, was Jacob's first cousin. But we don't worry about that. We don't worry about that because apparently that wasn't a problem back then. Let's read verses, uh, chapter 29, Genesis 29, verse 10 through 14. When Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel. This was more of a greeting kind of a kiss probably, uh, uh, like a handshake, and began to weep aloud. He had told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and a son of Rebekah, so she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son He hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his home. And there Jacob told him all these things. Then Laban said to him, you are my own flesh and blood. So Jacob stays with Laban for a whole month. Uh, And while he's there, he he doesn't just sit around admiring Laban's daughter, Rachel. I'm sure he did some of that. Uh, But he rolls up his sleeve and he got to work. And he worked really hard for that whole month at his uncle's house. And this hard work did not go unnoticed by Laban. And after a month, he offers to pay Jacob a salary. Uh, he had enjoyed a whole month of free labor from him, but now he's, he's ready to pay J- uh, Jacob for it. So he asked Jacob, what should your wages be? Let's read verse 16 through 18. Now Laban had two daughters, and the name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Now, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. That was the deal. So Laban had two daughters, one daughter, the younger younger one, Rachel, was very attractive. The other one, the older one, Leah, was, well, We'll just say, not as attractive. Let's put it that way. Jacob told Laban that, that he would work, I'll work for you for seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel, uh, in marriage. Well, when, when Jacob looked at Rachel, <clears throat> from the first time he laid eyes on her, uh, he was attracted to her. Now, in part, uh, most likely because he thought she was beautiful, and that, that tends to happen. When we see something that's beautiful, someone that's beautiful. Um, human nature is, is like that. Often, uh, you know, our, our initial attraction to someone is physical attraction, right? That's the way it generally works. I mean, that's the only attraction we can have because we don't know them yet, maybe. Jacob was attracted to Rachel because of her physical appearance. But no doubt during that month of free labor that he, that he gave to her father, uh, he got to know more about her, uh, more about her character, uh, maybe more, maybe that she had a good sense of humor, or uh, he, he admired the way she could handle a flock of sheep. Now remember, Jacob was a homebody, uh, if you remember the story. He liked to hang around the tents and cook. Uh, uh, they say opposites attract, right? So uh, maybe that was part of it. Maybe Jacob was attracted to her ability to be comfortable around sheep and sleep under the stars and and, uh, and, and be out in the fields, maybe Jacob secretly admired his big brother Esau and, and his free spirit, and maybe he saw that in Rachel. Anyway, he, he, he decided that he was in love with her. Jacob told Laban that he was in love with his daughter Rachel, attracted again to her physical beauty initially, and later perhaps her character. But we need to understand he was not in love, nor was he attracted to Leah. And that's okay. It's okay to to be attracted to one person and not another. I mean, that's happened uh, to all of us. For whatever reason, you know, we we have an attraction for some and not for others. Laban agreed to Jacob's offer. Remember, we are in the ancient Eastern culture. And women often had little or no say in these matters. Now, that that seems barbaric to us today, um, but that's just the way things were in in those times and in that culture. And so it wasn't strange to them. Let's look at uh, Genesis 29, 19 through 21. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him. Because he was, uh, because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to make love to her. Fast forward seven years. seeming According to him, it just seemed like a couple of days. And Jacob is ready to get married. It's been seven years, for goodness sakes. Let's continue, verse 22. So so Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her, to Leah. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. Now, here is where the trickster gets tricked. You know, Laban pulls a fast one on his new son-in-law, Jacob, Uh, they had this big wedding feast, and Jacob may have had a little bit too much to drink uh, during during that time. Uh, When when it was dark, Laban brought not Rachel, but Leah to Jacob. Now, wait, what's all that about? Why did Laban do this? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But that night, Jacob didn't notice that he had the wrong bride. Now, we might think, how in the world could something like that happen? I mean, is that even possible? Well, maybe. Maybe it was the effects of too much wine. Uh, uh, maybe it was the veils that Leah wore during the, the ceremony, and you know, he, he just assumed it was Rachel uh, covering her face. Uh, maybe it was just really, really dark. Uh, And and probably in the courtship process, uh, in many cultures, you never touch the woman that you're going to marry. You never hold their hand. You never hug them. You never put your arm around them. You certainly never kiss them. For in many cultures, the first kiss is on your wedding night. And so he may have never touched Rachel before. And so that might have had an effect on it. Whatever it was, whatever it was, when Jacob woke up and looked over at his new wife, (laughs) imagine his surprise to find out that it it was not his beloved Rachel, it was her sister Leah. What are you doing here? Now, first of all, we've all got to, let's just take a minute, and we'll spend some time later talking about this too, to consider how Leah was feeling about all this. You know, she apparently had little or no say in this matter. She was thrown into Jacob's room in the dark. She was probably told by her father to to be silent and pretend that you're your sister. You know, how was she feeling about all this? How did she feel when in the morning, when Jacob discovered who she was uh, and probably wasn't very nice to her, how did she feel? I mean, this was not her doing. It was her father's doing. And we, we learn later that Leah did long for, Leah did long for Jacob to love her, uh, which means she had, she had feelings for him. How cruel this must have been for Leah, the way she was treated. <clears throat> but then how satisfying it is to see a trickster get tricked you got to smile at that and and see his reaction when Jacob gets a little taste of his own medicine. Let's look at verse 25. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? (laughs) Now, isn't that ironic? Uh, how, How can Jacob utter those words? Why have you deceived me? with a straight face. You know, Jacob, the man who dressed up like his brother uh, and, and, and uh, so he could get the all-important family and godly blessing, uh, who is he to complain about deception? Well, of course, the answer is, you know, we're okay uh, when it's somebody else that's being deceived, but when it's me, well, that's a whole different thing. It's not fair. It's just not fair because this time it's me being deceived. Well, Jacob was right. Laban had deceived him just as Jacob had deceived his own father. Uh, Deception is always wrong. It's always wrong, especially when we're using it for personal gain, which is why he and Laban were doing. You know, as we talked about uh, this past Wednesday night, uh, and again, I, I encourage you to, to join us on Wednesday nights at 6.30, uh, log in, and we're going to be talking about this topic, some of the things I'm talking about this morning, and then we'll, we'll maybe delve into some things I don't talk about. Um, but this past Wednesday night during our, our Wednesday night discussion, we talked about maybe some deceptions or uh, the lesser of the two evils. You've got two, th- two choices, like, uh, like when Christians told the Nazis there were no Jews ha- hiding under their house, when actually there were. You know, what's the lesser of the two evils, deception or, or watching innocent Jews be dragged off to a concentration camp and executed? Um, but there is no excuse for deception when it's done selfishly for personal gain. You know, Jacob deceived his father so uh, that he could benefit from the promise he would receive. Uh, Some personal gain there. Laban deceived Jacob so he could get his oldest daughter married off before it was too late. (laughs) Let's look at verse 26. Laban replied, It is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Well, we didn't talk about that before, Laban. You know, we're not sure of the situation exactly with Leah. But likely, Laban was concerned about when or if Leah would ever get married. You know, As he points out to Jacob, it was traditional in that culture that the oldest daughters are married before her younger sisters. Now, this might seem a little callous to us, uh, but remember, this is an ancient Eastern culture. Uh, an older unmarried daughter in that culture was viewed often as a liability to a family. Uh, it was expected that, that children marry young and that, that they are now the responsibility of their new husband, their, their new spouse, um, so that it's, they're no longer a burden to the father anymore. So, so Laban is as much concerned about his own interest, his own situation, as he is Leah's situation. So what's the old saying, what goes around comes around? That was true for Jacob. But how about this old saying, too? What was Leah? Chopped liver? Does anyone care about Leah and how she feels about this whole thing? You know, the truth is deception and selfishness often hurts people. The problem with deception and selfishness is that when we are concerned about gaining something for ourselves... We become blind to how our selfishness affects other people. How many, raise your hand if you ever received a phone call from someone who said they were from the IRS and that your social security number has been suspended. Raise your, raise your hand if that's happened to you. Got several of you, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've had that a couple of times. As I've said before, let me just tell you, the IRS never, never calls you to talk to you about a situation. Uh, The the IRS website tells you that. Uh, They have a warning. Uh, They'll send you a letter first before if there's an issue that they need to deal with. Um, So if someone ever calls and says that they're from the IRS, hang up. Don't be nice, don't be rude, don't be nice. Just hang up, because it's not the IRS. Um, They are lying to you. They are trying to deceive you so so that they can selfishly steal all of your money and your identity. They don't care about you. They don't care about how stealing all of your money will affect your life. That's the way deception and selfishness is. We forget about how it affects other people. It's so important that we view every person that you and I come in contact with in our lives as a precious child of God. Uh, that's, that is just as valuable as we are, every person we come in contact with, whether it 's our spouse or the, the young girl at the checkout uh, in the grocery store. Paul certainly uh, encouraged this when uh, this idea, when he wrote to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter two verse three through four, Paul wrote, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit." Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And then right after that, he went on to say that when you do that, when you put others in, and value others above yourself, you're just being like Jesus. <clears throat> Verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God... Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or selfishly. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking uh, by he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus is the example for us when it comes to how we think of others. We should always, like him, put others above ourselves and never take advantage of them because we're being selfish. <clears throat> now, Jacob didn't seem to care about how his deception and selfishness would affect his brother. He wasn't worried, didn't seem to be worried about that until later when his brother threatened to kill him. Leah's father and Jacob sure didn't seem to be very sensitive and how this deception would affect Leah. In fact, she spent much of her life feeling like a second-rate woman and unloved. Jacob did get what he wanted soon after that. Laban gave Rachel to him, if he would agree to work seven more years for him. Uh, But it was soon apparent, and it didn't take long, before they realized that Rachel was barren. She was not able to have children. Leah, on the other hand, was not barren. She was very fertile. In fact, she had no trouble giving Jacob sons. In fact, in a very short time, Leah gave Jacob four sons. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. And to give you an idea of how Leah was feeling, about her life in her marriage. Notice the names of her first three sons and why she named them that. Let's look at Genesis 29, verse 32. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. Reuben means, the the Hebrew word means, he has seen my misery. So Leah reasoned as she named him that. Maybe a child, maybe a child will cause Jacob to love me. But apparently it didn't work. Listen to why she named her second son. Verse 33, she conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Simeon means one who hears. How sad Leah seems, doesn't she? Will a second son help Jacob to love me? It did not. It did not. Verse 34. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons, So he was named Levi. Levi means attached, a hope that Jacob would be attached to her. Surely three sons will cause Jacob to love me. But it did not. It did not. Leah is suffering because of others who are self-centered and place little value on her. But something changed when Leah had her fourth son, judah verse 35 she conceived again and when she gave birth to a son she said this time this time i will praise the lord so she named him judah then she stopped having children judah means praise it it looks like leah has discovered one place one place where she can always feel loved and valued in her case it wasn't her husband Jacob it wasn't there Jacob you know may have carried a grudge against her Leah and her father for what they had done when they deceived him and maybe Jacob would change as time went by and maybe he would eventually forgive her and forgive her her father uh, she could hope and she could pray for that but right now right now that wasn't happening And if she spent the rest of her life just trying to find love from someone that wasn't giving it, she was going to constantly be disappointed. So in the meantime, she needed to know that right now, God did love her. And God would always love her, no matter what. And so when Judah was born, she decided to just give praise to God. You know, it's interesting to know that One of Judah's descendants would eventually be someone who not only loved Leah, but died for her, Jesus. Perhaps someone in your life has been or is being deceptive and selfish. Perhaps you don't feel the love from them that you desire so much. Maybe they make you feel like you aren't valuable at all. And it hurts. It hurts. You know, selfishness causes hurt. When we focus only on ourselves and ignore and neglect people in our lives, it hurts them. It makes them feel unwanted. It makes them feel unloved. Love that they desperately crave. And if that's where you are right now, Uh, Perhaps Leah can teach us a valuable lesson here. People in our lives are going to let us down because they're imperfect. We're all sinners. Even good people, you know, sometimes let us down. All of us, because we're humans, we're naturally selfish. And sometimes that selfishness causes us to hurt people in our lives. But God... Understand, God does not have that tendency. Jesus, who is God, did not think of himself. He gave up his life for you. God loves you and me more than we could possibly imagine. Always, right now. He died for you. So know that you are loved by God. Know that you can find comfort in that love. When others let you down, know that God can lift you up. One of our favorite passages, perhaps, is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And that, that truth applies to any person, no matter what situation you're in. You can find strength, you can find love, you can find value in God who created you. You know, it would probably do us all good to take an honest look at our relationships, our relationship with our spouse, with our children, with our parents, with our siblings, with our coworkers. Uh, you know, are we doing as Paul called us to do in those relationships? Are we valuing others above ourselves? are we looking to our to not to our own interests but to the interests of others, lifting them up, seeing them as valuable precious children of God? Selfishness can blind us uh, to the needs and the value of people in our lives. we just don't even think about them when we 're thinking about ourselves so let 's not allow someone in our lives to feel like Leah felt. Let's strive every day to be like Jesus. That kind of love is an action. It's not a feeling. Maybe Jacob would never develop a romantic love for Leah and we could understand how that could happen, but, but he could choose to love her uh, in an unconditional way. He could be kind to her. He could be gentle with her. He could show her that she's valuable. Putting others uh, ahead of ourselves takes a conscious and an intentional decision to stop thinking about ourselves and think about them. We've got to decide to do it. Otherwise, we'll just be selfish. So with God's help, through the power of the Holy Spirit that all Christians have living within them, we, we can stop being deceptive and selfish. And when we do, when we do, people in our lives will indeed feel less hurt and more love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, uh, again, another story in Genesis. Father, it's kind of a a, a story that maybe we don't think about a whole lot, is maybe how Leah felt, and um, we we sort of grin when we see a trickster get tricked sometime, but uh, even that Both of them were wrong, and both deceptions were wrong, and and people got hurt because of them. We we see that when we're selfish and deceptive, we can hurt people, and we probably have hurt people in our lives. Help us to see, uh, to look beyond what we're gaining and see how the way we live affects other people, especially people that are close to us, our spouse, our children, and even people we encounter at work or just in our everyday life that we look at them uh, uh as we're barreling through our day we'll look at every person we see as a as a human being that you died for and and seek to to love them like Jesus would love them so thank you father for this lesson this this example um and uh and and just help us to love people and and to be like Jesus to give up ourselves and put their interest above our own we thank you father for that wonderful blessing of Jesus who, who gave it all up for us, and we ask it all in his name. Amen.